but they were really remarkable. God measuring the seas in the hollow of his hand. Or God marking off the heavens with a span. These are the pictures. Weighing the mountains in scales. This is what God is like. Now the pattern of Hebrew poetry we, we can't reproduce in our poetry, but th- these are the pictures that Isaiah gives. You see how, how great our God is. We know he hasn't got a hand, but he, it's, it, he's so great it is that he can measure the seas in his hand. Then he talks about the nations. You know if you have a bucket full of water and you empty it out and then you just Shake it once more, and a little drop falls from the bucket. He says, the nations are like a drop from a bucket before him. This is God. Earth's inhabitants are like grasshoppers before him. He says, think of the vastness of space. And uh, when you live in a country where there are no lights as we have around, the night sky is really remarkable. And yet we know so much more. Hubble is telling us that there's far more than we can see with our naked eye. And we're told, I can't take this in. This is what we're told. There are hundreds of billions of galaxies in the whole sky. Vast empires of billions of suns populate the universe. Can you take that in? God says to his people, look, look at the skies. Who will you compare me with? Look and see what I'm like. And it reminds us of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He said this, God's eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since of the creation of the world. And this chapter is telling us to look at God's handiwork, measure what he's like. But why why does he tell them to look? He's telling them that in his greatness and in his glory, he is interested in people. Why do you think I don't know, he said? Why Why are you saying I don't care? See what I'm like. A God like me doesn't grow tired. He doesn't miss things. There's no limit to my understanding, he says. I give power to the weak and the fainting. Without me, there will be circumstances when even the young men will utterly fail. They'll have no strength left. He's not just interested in people en masse, not just the nation en masse. He's interested in in people as individuals. And he says, they that wait for the Lord, those that trust him, those that depend upon him, those that believe his promises, those that wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles, energy, vigor. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. 
The God of the Old Testament is not all wrath and judgment. If Isaiah's listeners did what God said, surely they would find they had a new heart, new energy, new hope. How foolish they would have been to ignore or to refuse to believe his message. It's a remarkable chapter, isn't it, this Isaiah 40? What has it got to say to us? Here we are, long time afterwards. What does it mean to us? Well, first of all, let's take little Anna. Very precious to her parents and her family. But, you know, we've got other babies in the church as well. And there are lots of other little babies in Costa and in our country and around the world, hundreds of thousands of them. Is there any point in what we've done today in asking God's blessing on, on Anna, on her? Does God take notice of what we've done? God is interested in individuals and their behavior. God sees Anna and her parents, her family. Christian parents know that it's possible to ask God's blessing on their children and to promise their own commitment to bring them up, teaching them the things of God. The God of creation, this great God. He sees and he knows. He knows all. We do what he says. We wait for the Lord. That is, we we trust him. We ask him. We believe his promises. We look to him for his blessing on Anna and for his enabling for her parents. And God knows and cares For each one of his children, 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 or adult children, God knows and he cares. The New Testament emphasizes this in a number of places. Our Lord Jesus stressed it when he was talking to his disciples. But more than that, God sees and knows every individual on this earth. Even those that say there is no God, (laughs) he knows them, he sees them, knows their circumstances. The God before whom the nations are like a drop in a bucket, he knows us all, completely. I think this chapter brings out that remarkable truth. We need to remember it. Then another thing that it shows us, this chapter, is that God cares for his people. The life of God's people is not a charmed one. If you're a new Christian, (laughs) you'll find that out very quickly. Christians are warned to expect difficulty, not a cushy time. And there are times when we feel overwhelmed by circumstances. 
Times in our Christian experience when we may feel just hopeless. It may be illness. It may be some setback in our circumstances, which is a real blow to us. It may be some unexpected difficulty, some painful loss, even a, a betrayal by friends, as that happens sometimes, and it seems to just take the rug out from underneath you. We don't know how we are going to cope. And we need to remember who our God is. His greatness, if you like, his sheer size, his scale, his power in creation that we've been thinking about, its vastness, his wisdom, his understanding. It's impossible for him to be tired and miss things. His promise to strengthen and help us. That's what this chapter is there for us as Christians. He's not a sugar daddy. He's not a talisman for good luck. But this is a God who cares for us as individuals. Trust me, he says. And if you trust me, I will put new heart into you. I will strengthen you. I will bring you through. We may find that he changes our circumstances in ways we could never have expected. I don't know whether you can remember Paul and Silas in prison there in the town of Philippi. They'd been preaching the gospel. A lot of opposition had come along. They'd been thrown into prison and they were beaten. And there at midnight, probably too uncomfortable to sleep, they were singing and praising God and praying. And what happened? God answered them. There was an earthquake and all the prison doors were open and the route was there for escape if they wanted it. God changed their circumstances. He can do that. But we may find that he changes us, this great God. He works in us and strengthens us and helps us. Do you remember again the Apostle Paul? He had this particular a recurrent illness that he felt was really hampering him in his work. And if only God would take this away, he'd be a much better apostle. And what did God say to him? He said, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to help you. And he brought Paul through. We remember who he is. We are invited to put our trust on him. And there's one thing we can be sure of. God knows. He understands. He cares. And he is able to fulfill his purpose for me. Just as he was able to restore his people, back to the land of Judah. Many a Christian has found this true in his or her experience. Ponder the chapter. Think about his wisdom, his knowledge, his power. Think about the fact that he cares. 
He's promised to give strength. He says, I will carry my people like a shepherd. Wait for him. Trust him. Depend on him. This great God we've been thinking of. So we've thought that God thinks of individuals and we think that God cares. But I believe there's one other thing that comes out of this chapter. That is the foolishness of ignoring God. I wonder, did all those Jews immediately accept Isaiah's message, these discouraged, broken-hearted, downcast Jews? Along comes Isaiah with his message that they all immediately say, oh, how wonderful, very good, lovely. I suspect some of them doubted. I think some of them thought, Ah, it's been a long time. Can God really defeat this uh, empire that's got us? And so they would leave him out of account. And they would miss the encouragement that God wanted to give them. They refused to recognize God's greatness. And it is possible, isn't it? I'm sure you know from your own experience it's very possible for us as Christians to forget the greatness of our God and his kindness and his wisdom and the fact that he has promised to bring us through. Our trouble sometimes blots everything out. But we need to take heed to the message of Isaiah. And think about him. Read the chapter. Ask yourselves questions about God. But of course there are very many others in our world today who have the evidence about God, but they deny his very existence. Or if they don't quite do that, they live really as atheists in that they leave him totally out of account of their life. And if you were to point them to the evidence of God's existence, his power and his glory and so on, they will tell you, well, there's another and a better explanation for our world. We don't need God to explain things. People will say that to you today. The popular view of science, not all scientists, but the popular view of science, is that the origin of the world, this creation that we see all around us, is uh, explained adequately by the theory of evolution. And this seems to settle the issue for very many. And uh, to believe in God and God as creator these days, well, it's a bit old hat. It's uh, a bit primitive, childish. You're ignorant of the facts, aren't you? Unscientific. Even bigoted, they will say. If you want to be religious, that's up to you. But we don't need God to explain the cosmos. But evolution as an explanation 
Just two things I want to say about it this morning. First of all, it only tells us how. It's a theory of how the world might have come into being. Whether it's true or not, it's another thing. It is a theory. But evolution does not say why. Why it happened. And evolution doesn't tell us why there is anything at all. We're told, accept as a given that there is a world and a cosmos. Just, just accept it. It has no answer as to why. I remember seeing part of a television program on one occasion where one of the people says, oh yes, but one day we shall find out. And that is a statement of faith, not fact. And if you wish, you can stake your life on that faith. Hmm? But it's not fact. And the other problem that I want to show you today is that evolution stretches our credibility. It says that what we see in nature with all the indications of remarkable design is the product of blind chance. Sometimes when you read about it, they talk about what evolution intended, as if evolution has any, any uh, possibility of design. But evolution is blind chance. There cannot be design in chance. And yet, everything that we experience in life, all of it, tells you the opposite. Everything that we know in this world bears the mark of design. Even the fact that our little planet is habitable, is designed. If there were just a few things different, we wouldn't exist on the planet at all. The very fact of our bodies. Our experience of chance is that it doesn't bring order, it brings the opposite. Well, think about our phones our tablets, our TVs, our cars, our books, our computer programs. Is there any chance in any of that? Think about the crops we grow, the animals we breed. You leave it to chance, there is degrading, not improving by chance. Adding a few million years doesn't turn blind chance into design. Adding a long time doesn't make chaos suddenly turn into order. All our experience of life leads us to the opposite conclusion that God is there and he's given us these things to tell us about his power and his divine nature. You have to swallow a lot to believe in blind chance. Forget the lesser arguments about how or when God created, you know, young earth, old earth, seven days, seven periods of time. No, behind it all is the fact of God who created, not chance. The whole cosmos 
is evidence of his existing, his knowledge, and his wisdom. Now, if this God, creator and sustainer, with all his wisdom, knowledge, and power, is open to us, if this God has given us instruction, if he invites us, if he will be our God and afterwards receive us to glory, how much do we miss by not taking him into account? Isn't it foolishness and willfulness to ignore him? 